Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's an ongoing mission. Um, there's a, you know, there's a peregrine lander that's in trouble right now. The lander is in trouble. Um, let me know if you have any issues hearing my audio as well. We had some issues yesterday. So just want to make sure everything's good. All right. I think everything's good on my end. All my levels seem fine. So let me know in the chat, actually, if you can hear me, if you can see me. All that stuff. Right now, there's been a loss of propellant from the Peregrine lander. So the loss of propellant means that they might not be able to do their initial mission, which is land on the moon and conduct science on the moon's surface. It's very unfortunate. It's a really, really interesting mission, but we have to make sure that, you know, I have to make sure that everybody knows what's going on because... We're going to continue with this developing story as the news breaks. Um, so about four hours ago, Astrobotic um, sent out a tweet. It is heartbreaking to hear these things because hundreds of people worked on these on these missions. You know, there's people that spent long hours, nights, weekends, time away from their family, time away from the loved ones to build these landers. That this could have been the first. Um, commercial lunar lander that launched on a NASA mission, on a ULA rocket, on a Vulcan rocket. So let's take a look at this tweet from Astrobotic earlier today. This is about four hours ago. Astrobotic uh, tweeted this. After successfully separating from United Launch Alliance Vulcan rocket, Astrobotic Peregrine lunar lander began receiving telemetry via the NASA Deep Space Network. So that's all good. It's all good stuff. Um, Astrobotics built avionic systems, including the primary command and data handling unit, as well as the thermal, the propulsion, and power controllers, all powered on and performed as expected. Great news, right? After successful propulsion systems activation, Peregrine entered a fully operational state. Unfortunately, an anomaly occurred, which prevented Astrobotic from achieving a stable sun-pointing orientation. So they have to make sure that they continue to get power on their way to the moon. So that's why the sun pointing orientation is, uh, is great because they have, um, you know, solar on their side there. And the team is responding in real time as the situation unfolds and will be providing updates as data is obtained and analyzed. So a couple hours go by, their teams did all the data crunching. Everything looks okay, I guess. But they continued working throughout the day. Now, it's a couple hours ago now. We continue to gather data and report our best assessment of what we see. The team believes that the likely cause of the unstable sun pointing is a propulsion anomaly that, if proven true, threatens the ability of the spacecraft to soft land on the moon. So a hard landing on the moon is very bad. We don't want to see a hard landing on the moon. Hard landing on the moon basically means they crash into the moon. And that's not good for any sort of science that's supposed to happen, this astrobotic lander. Now, as the team fights to troubleshoot the issues, the spacecraft battery is reaching operational low levels. This is just a whirlwind of emotions here, I'm sure, with their team. Just before entering a known period of communication outage, the team developed and executed an improvised maneuver to reorient the sun, the solar panels toward the sun so they can get more power to the lander as it's on its way to the moon. Um, shortly after this maneuver, the spacecraft entered an expected period of communication loss. So could you imagine if you're part of this team and 
you're pointing you have you have an anomaly where the the lander can't point itself towards its power source it needs power in order to do the operations uh on this way to the moon right it needs to charge the batteries it needs to do all the things on the way to the moon and make sure everything's uh you know cool and then uh, shortly after the maneuver, the spacecraft entered an experienced period of communication loss. So after you fix this thing, right afterwards, you don't know what's going on because there's no communication. Communication loss will provide more updates as Peregrine comes in view of the ground station again. So the over time, you know, uh, there's certain ground stations that they have to communicate with here on Earth um, in order to send the data to the team so the team can make corrections or fix things on their way to the moon. So then a little bit of time happens, about an hour happens, and they release this. Uh, we've re we've successfully reestablished communications with the Paragon after the known communication blackout. So this was the communication blackout was, of course, it was a known thing. They knew this was going to happen as part of the mission. Uh, the team's improvised maneuver was successful in reorienting Peregrine's solar array towards the sun. We're now charging the battery. So yes, good. Mission Anomaly Board continues to evaluate the data we're receiving and is assessing the status of what we believe to be the root of the anomaly, a failure within the propulsion system. And that's what they said in the first tweet down here. Um, to successful, propul successful propulsion systems activation, Peregrine entered a fully operational state. Unfortunately, an anomaly occurred which prevented astrobotic. So the propulsion orients things in space. So however you have to propel yourself to get to the certain point so the, um, the solar panels can point towards the sun, uh, that's what they needed to do. And they figured it out as they went through the operation uh, basically it's a it's a warning like hey this thing's happening it's bad so how do we fix it so their their teams got on it they reoriented it the chat the charger uh was starting the charge was starting with a battery and the anomaly board continued working on uh what happened going over the data they basically have a bunch of data thousands of lines of data they have to crunch all that data um, in real time, mind you, because this isn't something that you can just put down, like grab a cup of coffee and go to Dunkin' Donuts, you know, and go for lunch or anything. No, this is like you are right there because it, up until you fix this issue, you're not going anywhere. None of the team is leaving. So they have to do this. The anomaly board is working on this super hard, evaluating the data and assessing the status of what we believe to be the root of the anomaly, a failure within the propulsion system. So if there's a failure within the propulsion system, um, then the soft landing may not occur. And if the soft landing doesn't occur, that means a hard landing will occur. If a hard landing occurs, they lose the whole thing. So if they lose the whole lander, all the science that was on board, there's actually... Um, uh, this part of this mission was um, sending people's ashes to the moon as well. So that's, that's going to be lost as well. I mean, they'll get to the moon, but not the way they wanted to. So, um, so Astrobotic continues to go on. We're grateful for the outpouring of support we've received um, from messages on social media to phone calls and helping hands. This will make the space industry so special that we unite in the face of adversity. A heartfelt thank you from the entire Peregrine Mission One team. So Tori Bruno, um, ULA president, in a tweet said, hey, we're here for you. Whatever you need from the ULA team, we're open to help you out. Figure out this, uh, figure out what's going on. So uh, the whole ULA team, super talented people, uh, very intelligent, smart people, um, of course, if they're there to help, they're there to help. So Astrobotic has the whole, like other teams from other companies, you know, like uh, other people that may know something they don't know, or may have some sort of insight that they might not catch up, you know, catch on to or whatever. Um, they could get some help from outside sources. Everybody's helping basically, because we want this thing to go to the moon, right? This is the first lunar lander since basically the Apollo era. So a uh, U.S. lunar lander, I should say. So they want this thing to work. They want it to touch down on the moon softly and they want to be able to do their mission because 
it's part of the Artemis program. Um, in you know, it, it has some really important things for the Artemis program uh, to study the the lunar surface before people get there. Right. So let's move on to the next update. Update number four. It says, unfortunately, it appears the failure within the propulsion system is causing a critical loss of propellant. Uh, the team is working to try to stabilize this loss, but given the situation, we have prioritized uh, maximizing the science and data we can capture. So at this point, seems like there's some, um, seems like there's some sort of propellant uh, failure. Um, so what this means is they can't use the propellant to do what they need to do. Um, at this point, um, team is working to stabilize the loss. Basically they have tanks with propellant in them. And if there's any sort of leak in their tanks or any sort of like gasket or anything, there's like little pieces of rubber that keep things in place. This is the first launch of this thing too. This is an experimental craft, by the way. So this isn't, this isn't a, um, you know, this isn't something that they've launched a bunch of them. You know, this is the first one and the only one. So what they're doing now is they're trying to figure out what else they can do on their way to the moon, on their way to the moon to make sure that they get something out of this, right? They might, I, I don't know what the orbit right now. I don't know where uh, they should be uh, set as far as going to the moon is concerned. Uh, but what other missions can they succeed in on their way to the moon? It seems like uh, according to this, um, you know, the propulsion system is a critical loss of propellant. So all the propellant is probably, if it's critical, it means most of their propellant is probably gone or a significant amount of their propellant has escaped um, or something in the propulsion system somewhere got clogged up. So it seems like if they can maximize the way that the propellant is uh, handled within the craft. Um, if there's a shutoff valve of some sort that they can, I'm not sure how the structure is inside the, the craft itself. Um, if there's fail safes with these things, um, with this particular lander, um, not a hundred percent sure. Some, most times they do have some sort of fail safe, but it seems like what they've, how they posted this, um, is that they have a significant critical loss of propellant. And when it's say critical, it means it's gone probably so and there's no way to get it back and they probably can't recapture it so they can use it to propel themselves to the moon or for a soft landing so what do they do on the way there uh and that's what they're figuring out now we have prioritized maximizing the science and data we can capture we're currently assessing what alternative mission profiles may be feasible at this time so whatever they can do between now and when they when the mission is totally done we don't know when that'll be, uh, you know, as far as I know, this is about an hour ago. Um, so let me, let me refresh this real quick. See if they had anything else. Um, no, this is about, about one hour ago is the last update. Let's see if they have anything on their website. Maybe there's, maybe they might've posted something on their website. Um, so if that's the case now it's still number four, um, we're currently assessing what alternative mission profiles may be feasible at this time. So, track the mission i mean uh temperatures radiation things like that maybe um you know and the th the thing is um there might not be enough um enough sensors to really do like a really in-depth mission here so yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what they could do on the way like on their way out there. So um yeah, it's it just seems like it's almost it's almost lost at this point, which is unfortunate. So they also have they also have a Griffin lunar lander. So the Peregrine lander that we're talking about today is about the height of a human. So like th about four humans wide and like the height of like a normal person, like five, eight, five, ten, something like that. Um, so maybe six feet tall, so somewhere on there. Um, so it, right now the Peregrine lander seems like it does have, might have some sort of, uh, could probably do some sort of, um, 
I don't know what they could do. I mean, to be honest with you, to get to get some data, they're going to have to update us with that. But um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one. They have thermal controls in it, so like, of course, they can they can check the um, you know the heat in the uh, what's the, what's going on with the payloads, things like that. So they have they have the ability to monitor everything that's in there. Um, but I don't know what else they could do other than getting it to lunar orbit and figuring out what else they, you know, at this point, like they're not going to land this thing. I don't think. So they're going to get into like a lunar orbit, lunar orbit two, lunar orbit three. They're going to get really close to the moon, hopefully. Um, and then maybe they're going to, I mean, if they do crash this into the moon, maybe they could get some valuable data about moon, like lunar entry. Um, but if they don't have the propellant, to make it even feasible to do a soft landing, why would they, I mean, I don't know. Why would they crash it into the moon? Um, yeah. So it, it's a, it's a tough thing for the, for the, uh, astrobotics team. Just tucking it back into earth is foolish. Yeah. I mean, they could, if they have enough propellant. So that's the other thing too, is if they, um, yeah, shifter. That's a that's a great that's a great point. If they just like burn it back up in the atmosphere into the Earth's atmosphere, it seems like it would be a very um, unless there's no hope for it. You know, if they if they can't collect any more data, and if there's nothing else they can do with it, probably that might be their best bet because you don't really want to crash a bunch of stuff on the moon. You don't want to litter up the moon. Um, yeah. Data as much data gathering. Yeah, Simon, I agree with you. Data gathering, you know, just do as much, get all the data because even though we have Artemis two going up soon, we had Artemis one, which collected a bunch of data, went around the moon, came back. Artemis two will send people, and of course, there's other sensors on Artemis two, uh, but this is the first U.S. lander uh, with you know, with enough sensors that it could gather some data on the way to the moon. So. We're trying to gather. I'm also trying to gather some data about the sensors. Um, so maybe, you know, um, whatever they can do to flood it with data, I guess, before, before they do, um, whatever they're going to do with this thing. Like maybe they have enough propellant to send it over the ocean and burn up back in the earth's atmosphere or send it in a, you know, a solar orbit you know, something like send it towards the sun. I mean, that would be kind of cool too. <laughs> you know, it has a high gain antenna on it. So there's a possibility they could just send it towards the sun and just continue just what, get as much data as you can on the way to the sun. Be like, Hey, you know what? We're not a lunar lander anymore. We're a sun lander, but we're not going to land. We're just going to burn up. So it's a, it's tough. You know, um, what do you guys think in chat? Let me know in chat what you guys think what the what the mission could be from here on out because there's so many things it could be doing right now there's so much um there, there's so many like sort of side quests that they could do now uh, data gathering at best simon yeah it's already on its way to the moon right or is it in earth's orbit um right now it's on its way uh let me check the the data real quick see if i can find some data about the the initial a few hours of this mission because it launched early this morning. I was going to stream it and like do a live, you know, live watch along. Um, but it was like one thirty in the morning when the, you know, when it all started. So I would have been dead tired. So, um, that's one of the reasons why I didn't do it last night. It's like, man, I got, I got so much stuff to do. So I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Okay. So here I'm getting some data. Um, as far as, Uh, their orbits and things. So I'm going to figure out where they are right now, like tracking where they are right now. Um, so, they, you know, of course, anything that goes to the, to the moon as well is uh, very contamination controlled. So if they do end up crashing it out of the surface of the moon, there's more than likely no way for it to contaminate the moon with, say, like, uh, organisms of some sort um could it study radiation near earth radiation um 
Yeah, I mean, that that's, you know, some radiation would be nice because if, they, if some radiation, I should say, some radiation studies would be nice because if they do study the radiation properly, they could send some data back to um, back to NASA, even though NASA has a ton of data on this stuff already, but the Van Allen Bell, things like that, Earth's magnetic field. Um, I don't know if they have things on there for the magnetic field, but probably uh, radiation... Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, interplanetary rate. Okay, so there's a little bit of information here. Um, interplanetary radiation environment occurs in the region outside the shielding effects of Earth's magnetic field. Um, an ionizing dosage of one rand per day is predicted there based on the expected electron radiation per Earth day. So if they could, uh, an ionized dosage of one rand per day is uh, predicated or predicted, sorry. So if they could just get some math on that. That would be kind of cool too. figure out what the radiation is as well. Um, hmm. Yeah. It seems like, seems like they have a little bit of information. Um, but I don't know what else, what else could we do here? Because I'm not a hundred percent about what kind of, uh, instruments they have on board that could do something in between here and the moon, you know? Um, Debs, I like that. Hit the hit the thumbs up. Hit the like, please. Wonder if it shows up on Sat Tracker sites. I checked earlier, Shifter, and I didn't see it. But it might be Debs. Forty three freaking months. You got to get some starships for that one. Got to get some starship launches. <laughs> so we're here to we're here to discuss, and we're also here to talk about any news that happens, and we're also here to you know we're here to kind of have fun and enjoy ourselves too. So. And just talk as friends, you know, so, um, you know, if you have any ideas, I think, I think this is the uh, great forum for those kind of ideas. Um, and we're going to continue with this coverage as, you know, as it happens. So Astrobotic, I'm just going to, you know, they usually give updates every hour. So yeah, this is the one, this is the, the, the X post tweet right there. I don't know. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. That's even, that's even sadder. You can't do that. Um, Astrobotic, please. Yeah. I hope, I hope they figure it out though. I hope they figure out something. Um, uh, Debs, thanks for the super chat too. Thank you. Super sticker, whatever that one that is. Thank you for that. Why aren't you getting any starships here? What's going on? I set them up. I'm sorry, Debs. You don't get any starships today. No starship launches for you. I I appreciate it, but I I can't figure out why it's. Uh, I also have a. Uh, <laughs> I'm having an anomaly on my in my studio too. So, there we go. Anomalies all around, everybody. Cheers to the anomalies. Um, it's water, by the way, and I only drink water. Um. Yeah, the propulsion system's gone. They can't land on the moon. Critical loss of propellant. What can they do on the way there? That's what they're working on right now. Like, What could they do on their way there? So that's where we're at right now. Debs, do you get some rockets? Yes, you do. You get some starships. Let's see, 149 Super Chat. We'll give you, because you've been a member of the channel for so long, Debs. I got to give you at least five starships for that one. Land it on an asteroid? Uh, Tank Man? That sounds interesting. It, I don't think it'll be able to land, though, because the propulsion system's down. So, unfortunately, that might be... I mean, crashing into an asteroid would probably be a better way to say that. Uh, if they, if they don't have propellant, that's the, that's the problem with that. They don't have propellant right now. The propellant system, the propulsion system is completely down. Um, so you never, you never know what they're capable of. Uh, but tank man, I, I agree with your thinking. I agree with your thinking. I think it's a, it would be a great idea to send it off towards an asteroid. If they could figure out the trajectory of the lander, and if they have enough propellant to get it to the right spot, but I don't know if they do, you know, we're not, we're not very, um, 
Uh, we don't have all the information about that right now. And I'm sorry about the, <laughs> the cluster of this stream right now, too. Um, I put this together. like, And so, as Deb says, pro streamer. I've been doing this for four years on this channel. I'm totally dedicated to the channel, but I wasn't ready for this. Um, so anything that looks a little bit wonky, uh, it was it wasn't thrown together, but it was it was put together um, very quickly. So I just have a bunch of blocks around, so we, I could get as much information out there as possible. So this isn't usually what this what the show looks like. Uh, it looks a little bit better than this, uh, but I wasn't ready for this. So we have we have what we, you know we have we got what we got right. Um, so yeah, right now. Right now we got, I don't know, what can we do? What can we do at this point? Let me put this down a little bit. Yeah, what how, What can they do to make this situation a better situation? Because you don't want to go into like, you don't want to have a mission that's going to be, uh, oh, cool, we launched on a rocket and we got a little bit of data. We could We could reorient things, right? That's cool. And then you can get some more data from your um, from your solar systems and things like that, your solar panels. Um, and then what kind of science and data you can do? What kind of stuff can you maximize during your mission? Uh, that's a tough one, man. That's so tough because it seems like it would be a like a given that they would already be doing these things on their way to the moon. But also these systems are like they're very specific. Some of these systems are very specific. Like they, they take X amount of power and that's it. Like they can't do more power than that on their way to the moon because they have to save this power and because they're charging a certain amount on their way to the moon and they have to use certain systems, certain times, um, and hit these key, you know, these, uh, these marks basically on their way to the moon. And then when they get them to the moon, they have to use X amount of power to land and propulse, uh, propulsive landing, so what can they it's kind of like divert the power the to the thrusters or to like the shields you know like in star trek or whatever um you know give it your all or whatever you know it, it seems like that's where they're at right now like how do we how do we get the most out of this mission um but it's going to be it's going to be tough because uh, it, it's just kind it's just a bummer man uh, set it off after Starman <laughs> info guide. I agree with you. That would be cool. That'd be for, that'd be very cool. Like see if you can catch Starman on in the uh, roadster. <laughs> I think that that would be pretty interesting, but, um, given the situation, we have prioritized the max to, uh, we have prioritized maximizing the science and data we can capture. We're currently assessing the alternative mission profiles, uh, maybe feasible this time. So the, the other thing is how do you, um, how do you go to a mission like this and like you, you put your heart and soul into these missions. These people put their heart and souls into these missions. They've been working on this for years. You know, they, they've gone. To, so it's not like everybody involved with these missions just gets a job and then starts making stuff for space, right? Like you have to be building your career for years in order to, to do this. Right. So there's possibility some of these people have been working in these systems and working for other companies and things for like decades, you know, very veteran people that have been working on these systems for decades. And you spent the last years of your life building this thing and you're on your way to the moon. You know, you have a perfect launch ULA perfect launch. And I was surprised that, I mean, I wasn't surprised that the ULA launch usually, usually ULA launches are great. But I was surprised that the new rocket never, never did it before. It was the, you know, and their first tweet here, um, ULA's Vulcan rocket, of course, like new engines and everything, um, never tested like to go to, go to space. First launch ever works perfectly. Sends the, sends the lander off to the moon. And then the lander has issues. So there's people that were working on the lander all like for their whole life you know, working on their part of it, uh, whatever it is. And maybe, you know, there are new people as well. So maybe you're, you know, you get into the company late or, you know, maybe you just graduate college or whatever. Um, or you're like a whiz kid, you get out of high school and you're just like pretty good at this stuff. You should hire me. Um, 
then they get a contract from NASA. You know, it's just, it's a whole thing. So instead of, you know, thinking about it like a robot, it's not the robot that we think about. It's the people that put their, their lives into this thing. Um, I think, and I think this is a fable. I want, I, I want to say this is real, but I think it's probably not real, but there's a story. I think it's Van Gogh, Vincent Van Gogh, the artist, um, that he was sitting in a, and I think this is totally fake. I thought like probably fake, but, um, he was sitting in a, a park, like sketching something or painting or something. And somebody walked up to him and said, Oh, you're Vincent van Gogh, the famous artist guy. And he goes, yes, that's me. Um, and then they say, Hey, can you, can you draw me something? And then Vincent van Gogh drew them one line in the, uh, in the park, like just a, a squiggly line. But the guy was like, that's it. Just one line. And Van Gogh looked at him and said, and I'm paraphrasing here because nobody really knows what, if this happened. Um, but Vincent Van Gogh goes like, yeah, it took me my whole life to learn how to draw that line just like that. So these people that are working on these systems, um, Peregrine mission systems, uh, they've been working their whole lives to get to this point to send their robotic lander to the moon and if it doesn't make it, it's going to be heartbreaking and so sad. It's going to be so sad for everybody involved, but also for the, the overall space flight community, because we all want this thing to land. Like I, you know, as much as there's tribalism and weird, like people are weird, right? And I'm going off on a little tangent, but we'll get back to Paragon in a second, because, um, you know, when people are weird and they, they talk about, um, you know, x company versus y company or whatever um no it's not like that like you want to make sure that every launch provider is good and you want every mission to succeed you know as they say or as they used to say i don't know if anybody says it anymore but like hashtag team space like that's a real thing people are really invested in each other's um you know in each other's success so right here with this tweet Peregrine Systems, uh, Peregrine Lander from Astrobotic. We're grateful for the outpouring of support we're receiving from messages on social media to phone calls and helping hands. So everybody in the industry has reached out to them and said, go, go, go. Let's like, please make this work. Somehow we have everything. We're at your disposal, Astrobotic. So they know how important this is to get people back to the moon and to get landers back to the moon. So you know, it's the, it's the years and years of dedication and, um, you know, the systems that they build are, it's great. Um, you know, but it's about the people at the, at the other end, you know, that are doing this. So yeah, it's, uh, of course people are going to help them out. It, it seems like it's a no brainer, right? Like people are going to help them out. It's a NASA mission. Like who wouldn't want to help NASA out? Right? Like, of course, like anything that, I mean, I can't do anything for them because I'm not a, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not a, not an engineer. I don't, I don't make lunar landers, but I can at least, um, you know, share some information with you and like, keep you updated and do what, do my part, which is like, just do this, like have a little podcast kind of situation about it. Um, so yeah, so that's the, like, as of right now, Astrobotic, uh, they haven't posted anything in about an hour. Um, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a story that's going to be developing throughout the day. Um, so we're, I'm going to keep you updated as much as I can with that sort of situation. Um, uh, info guide said, like Starling said, like they need to start mass producing a lander with a standard set of equipment and instruments on them, send 20 plus of them to different locations on the moon. That would be pretty cool. Actually. It's a great idea. How can you do that to scale and make money on it though? Because these are commercial landers like NASA hired Astrobotic to do this lander for them. NASA didn't build this lander. It's a NASA mission, but astrobotic built the lander um how do you do that to scale and make money because nasa will be your only client mainly but i, I think what they're doing in I mean, what they are doing with the artemis program and other programs from around the world are 
they're trying to make a lunar economy. So whether it's shuttling things to the moon or people to the moon or, you know, getting data and science from and to the moon, um, they're trying to build that out right now. The infrastructure for that blue origins doing it, SpaceX is doing it, all the other companies doing astrobotic, et cetera. They're all doing it. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a good idea. Info guides to make this like make a, a standard sort of like foundational, um, template for some of these landers like a starlink like you said um yeah that, that would be that's a really great idea actually so and then you know you can uh lease that technology or whatever if you get the you know if you get the foundation of it you get the framework um i understand this because i as a so i'm a i've been a coder for i don't know 15 years so I understand the use of a foundation or some sort of template to start with, right? Um, and then basically, you know, you build upon this the open source, whatever that you're building on, you know, whether back in the day it was Bootstrap or Foundation or, you know, React JS now or, you know, whatever it is. Somebody builds the foundation for these things and then other people build upon that foundation and just send stuff. Just send it, man, just send it to the moon. And then what you do with it is up to you. So, of course, you have to make a business out of it so you can make money, so you can feed your families and all that stuff and pay your rent and insurance and whatever, send your kids to college, whatever. But um, the, I think that's a, that's a phenomenal idea. I wonder, if, I'll have to look into this a little bit, but there's got to be somebody out there who'd be willing to do that work and then open source it for everybody to use. And just say, this is how you build it. Here's all the specs. Uh, go crazy, you know, like go for it, dude. And then people would start building on it. I think that's what Blue Origin is kind of doing too. Uh, they want to build a framework and a foundation for everything else. Um, but I, I think there is an opportunity there for somebody to do this. But it seems like there's a lot of money that could be um, that could be like changing hands too. Um, Bob Brick, you caught me live. I know, right? Last couple of times I've done this, um, I'm like, where's Bob at? But yeah, it's tough because today was a weird one because it's just all over the place. Peregrine Lander, I think we lost her. You know, I think I think I think it's gone. They're going to get as much data as they can, and then there's going to, there's no propulsion system um, causing a critical loss of propellant. No propellant in that thing. So I think we're gonna I think we're gonna lose this thing. Uh, just how do we lose it and how much can we gain from it before we lose it? That's the question. So if you're a fan of SpaceX and you're a fan of the Starship program, you kind of know what this is all about. You send up a test, like you set up a Starship and whatever it is, any data you gather from it is good data. Um, unfortunately, this was a NASA mission. So they had some NASA, you know, NASA criteria that they were supposed to meet. But NASA also knows, and everybody involved with this, knows that it's not going to be perfect every time. And they know that there's a, a huge risk every time you just go for it. You know, when you, it, it's a calculated risk and you know these systems are back and forth. You, you've been working on them for years. But you know there's that slight risk that a propulsion system could go bad. Critical loss of propellant. And they're trying to stabilize that loss. But yeah it's it's a it's a sad day for um astrobotic and for the space flight community start sending blocks of ice and some dirt that can grow stuff Ooh, uh some tents too you want to send that to the moon so you could send blocks of ice well there's already ice on the moon though uh so could we just land i mean that's what artemis is doing they're just landing where the ice is um but maybe not tents <laughs> maybe you need something a little bit more you know more uh, a little bit thicker than a tent um um if nasa funds a project don't they own the intellectual property rights uh, in some instances yes um but if you have a commercial program so say if uh, like a really good example uh, they're using a a spacex starship to land on the moon um for artemis 3 and they will not own the intellectual property rights for that starship ever. The SpaceX owns those intellectual property rights. Um, 
why did they don't use nuclear batteries? Andre says. Um, that's a really difficult question to answer, but it's also a question that needs to be asked because I like that. Um, nuclear propulsion is something that they're actually working on right now. There's another, they're, they're trying to figure out systems for a nuclear powered propulsion system for a NASA rocket. But the reason why most NASA rockets or other rockets aren't nuclear propulsed um, is because it's not uh, 100% safe. Like say if something happens during a, like a nuclear rocket launch and the whole thing, uh, you know, just doesn't work. Uh, you know, a rud on the pad is really bad. It's very, very bad. So if they can guarantee that nothing's going to happen to that propulsion system, if it's nuclear, then they might get public support, but people are afraid of it. Uh, like that's part of it. Like that's part of it. So, um, yeah, that's the, it's, it's a, it's a tough sell for people basically. Um, your product would be the lander, no instruments, and then you license and sell individual instrument spots. Oh, someone wants to send a stuffed animal up. They buy a slot and make mount, uh, make a mount for it. That's what like Astrobotic actually had some, uh, this Peregrine lander. Let me see if I can find their page on that. Um, their payload page. Let's see. So we can take a look at it because they have a whole plan your mission thing. Yeah, they have a whole thing where you just like go through a, uh, like the structure of the power, communications, propulsion. Don't want to talk about that right now. Uh, payload accommodations. Peregrine's interface options accommodate a wide range of payload types on a single mission from companies, government, universities, nonprofits, and individuals. They have an above deck uh, views of the horizon and the sky, below deck views of the lunar surface, and enclosure deck proximity to the lunar surface. So, they have some um they have some spots on their on their uh in their payloads the decks that are for different things so um 90 kilogram payload max or mass capacity uh, and they have a lunar lander user guide which is pretty intense and very very large so um you know you do a, a services agreement you integrate your stuff into their into their lander so it's it's similar to what you were saying um small class lander that precisely and safely delivers payload to lunar orbit and lunar surface payloads can be mounted above or below the decks inside or outside of enclosures and can remain attached or deployed according to their needs um so if you need to deploy something um you know you can mount what if you just bought a gopro and you're like hey can you send this gopro to the moon yeah, maybe not. I mean, a GoPro probably wouldn't work because you're never going to get the footage back. Maybe if you have some sort of other camera system involved, um, you know, build your own space camera, basically. Um, that might be, that would be a neat actual way to send a payload. It's like semi, um, it's kind of light. Yeah, every every uh every no makes you closer to a yes, and every right is one step closer to a mission complete. Yes. Um, yep, the lander would be a service. That makes sense, yeah. Uh Armando says at 2 15 p.m. Eastern time, uh DNS uh Canberra Canberra was receiving telemetry at eight kilobytes a second. Telemetry seems to have stopped around 1920 UTC. Ooh, uh oh. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Where did you get that data from, Armando? Is that that's not from their Twitter, is it? Uh, let's see. Just so I can, I just want to take a look at it and see if uh, keep that as a as a source of information as well. Uh, Treespire mass production uh, makes things cheap and also works out bugs to the point where chances of success would skyrocket, literally skyrocket. Wink. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's iterative design as well. Mass production, iterative iterative design. Um, you make things 
better every single time. Like you have a version one, then you have a version 20, you know, eventually once you figure out what's the best way to do this. I know if they lost telemetry data, uh, that would be heartbreaking, Armando. So as somebody who understands uh, the the cost of this not only in dollars and cents and you know like real money but the cost of putting together teams and systems and um being you know i i, I was the boss like i was the the lead uh, developer of a bunch of projects for a couple companies and i know how hard it is to put these teams together and what they go through what these people go through um so I understand the late nights and I understand uh, working for months on end to get one tiny thing perfect. And then it, if something fails, you know, that that's just a, it's a horrible thing to go through. Um, yeah. I, I really hope they can figure out some other science to do because at this point it seems like, they may have lost the the lander uh we can't use them once they're uh we can sell them yeah i mean if the so that's a that's a really great idea i like the idea of a reusable uh maybe not reusable but a, a reusable system like the systems are uh something that everybody could kind of tap into um for landers eventually you know a framework for people to use you know like kind of like a car frame you know, uh, but you send it to the moon or you send it out into, you know, space someplace. But that would be that would be a really great way to scale this economy. It's like, hey, we have this thing. We know it works because we've launched it a few times. Come on board. But that's how people make money. Like that's the business of having landers. And that's the that's the business of like the outer space business. You know, the space flight business is we have a platform that you can use to send something somewhere like that's why rocket companies exist ula exists like that spacex falcon 9 like falcon 9 is a platform for people to send things to the you know to low earth orbit and beyond so send people up to the iss etc um but that's I, I you know if they could if they could figure out a way to i mean not, not open source a rocket because that would be insane but um open source a platform for for landers would be really neat and that people could build on it you know and i'm sure there's things like that in the industry you know uh in the engineering side of it you know like they know what things work and what things don't work so they can build on those things but if somebody were to build like here's the lander legs here's the platform here's the structure um we're going to give you all the plans and you just go wild with it so uh, it, just open source it would be insane would be so crazy or you know uh, uh whatever fee you know like a uh, um like residual fee would be pretty cool too we're getting into the business of it but peregrine is one of those companies that got hired by nasa to send stuff to the moon because they do have a platform for that the peregrine lander is a platform for nasa um yeah sounds uh Michael Maxey. Hey, what's up, Mike? Uh, it sounds like Aeros Robotics has to use the maneuvering system to reorient Peregrine for solar charging. But doing so, they may have drifted off trajectory for lunar interface. That's what I've heard, yeah. Um, yeah, they may. They seem like they they reoriented towards the sun, which is great, because then they can get power, they can get their batteries charged. But by doing so, their propulsion system has been it's critical loss of propellant it's totally malfunctioned and they can't get it back so uh, yeah it seems like maybe this mission may be done and it's unfortunate el hungaro thank you so much for the super chat you're amazing uh if you want your name on the screen and you also want starships to launch with your name on the screen uh let me know by giving me a super chat or a super sticker and you'll get that I can make it bigger actually because it's more fun. Let's make your name bigger. There we go. I gotta make it like a cool color too eventually. Yeah, what a sweet landing, by the way. <laughs> so I gotta give a shout out to my to my homie Carl for this. 
for hooking this up and making this for me. So shout out to Carl for that. Good buddy. Good old buddy. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 you know, all kind of, um, I'm going to put this up a little bit so you can see the landing. There you go. Hit a little lander. Um, all business aside, I think Peregrine is like the lander may be lost and Astrobotic is figuring out how to do as much science as they can, gather as much data as they can. Uh, there's no real updates at this point that unless they post something within that, yeah, nothing yet. Uh, failure as of right now. So, um, yeah, thanks, uh, El Hunger again. Thanks, Debs, again for the super chats. And for the, how many months was that, Debs? 43 months? Man, that's crazy. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, uh, Peru, uh, the Peregrine Lander looks like it may be lost. So we're waiting on more information about that. Unfortunately, they've done everything they can to, um, to try to get this back on track, but they've lost propellant in the propulsion system. So it seems like, uh, the, um, seems like we lost her. So there's a few things on the astrobotic, um, scientific payload. Let's see what, what we have in here. Laser reflector array. Um, so I, let me ask this to you chat. So as I go through these parts of these payloads, let me know what you think about them using these, because if they can't use their, their normal mission, which is landing on the moon and using these, what could they use these for? Let me take a drink because talking for 45 minutes hurts my throat. Oh, they have a, they have a laser retro reflector array. The LRA, um, provides a marker for future assets to determine precise locations. So basically they're going to land this thing on the moon and then they're going to use it, um, to reflect lasers. And, uh, let's see, this enables precision laser ranging, which is a measurement of the distance between the orbiting or landing spacecraft to the LRA on the lander. LRA is a passive optical instrument and will function as a permanent uh, fiducial, uh, i.e. location marker on the moon for decades to come. That's probably not going to make it to the moon. Uh, neutron spectrometer system, the NSS instrument. Let me see if I can bring this up for you so we can actually do this together. Let's see here. Let's see here. Let me get this over here and then I'll bring this up. Give me like two seconds here while we do this. And we'll get that back. There we go. Laser reflector array. We already went through that. That's not going to work because it has to be on the moon's surface and they can't really just jettison it into space and use it. Neutron spectrometer system will determine the abundance of hydrogen bearing materials and the bulk regolith composition at the landing site. So that's out of the question. Let me zoom in a little bit on this one. Um, Linear energy transfer spectrometer. Uh, during the exploration missions outside of the Earth's protective atmosphere, exposure to space radiation has a detrimental effect on the health of astronauts. Lunar surface environments present a greater radiation risk to the astronaut than low Earth orbit. These are two sources of radiation risk for lunar surface environments. The first source of risk is the total radiation dose from galactic cosmic rays, which is about twice as high on the lunar surface as low Earth orbit. A radiation sensor maybe maybe they can activate this uh while they're you know f flying in whatever configuration they're doing right now so let me know in the chat if you think that might be a good idea if they can like measure the radiation <laughs> deb's uh bob brink says deb's uh congratulations on hanging tough for so many months i know deb's is a trooper all the things remember deb's so uh, if you're new to the channel, thank you for tuning in, by the way. And if you've been here for a while, I love you. I couldn't do this without you. And also, I love you people who are just joining me. So um, thank you for, for being part of this. And thanks for subscribing and liking the video. It really helps, too. And all the super chats and everything really, really helped me continue to do this channel. Continue to do commentary on late-breaking, um, you know, critical missions like this. The a mission that may be lost in space. So... Yeah, if they if they can get this together, hopefully they won't lose everything. But um, can we get to a hundred likes? 
Let's try this. Can we get to 100 likes? We have 91 now. We, have nine, we need nine more. Um, Gene Roddenberry is boldly hanging. Wait, it's boldly. Wait, hold on. This moved up boldly going where no one has gone before. Oof. <laughs> I'm just a newbie. Oh, Bob Brink. Are you tied with Debs with 43? Oh, it's a tie. Debs and Bob together. Dang. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't know you were around for 43 months. That's incredible. That's incredible. Thank you so much for that, Bob. That's amazing. I knew you've been around for a long time, but I didn't know it was that long. Um, Ellen Garo says, thank you. Yeah, I love you too, man. Um, baby Bob. Yeah. So yeah, without all of your continued support, I couldn't do this. We're over a hundred likes, by the way, over hundred likes, we're at 107. So, um, so going back to the, the thing over here on this other screen, I have uh linear energy transfer spectrometer, the LETS seems like it, uh, gathers radiation information for the flight. Um, so it, maybe they could turn this thing on, on their way to wherever they're going to end up. I mean, they lost telemetry data possibly at this point too. So, um, maybe it's a radiation sensor. Maybe they could turn it on lead developing development organization, NASA. Um, yeah, JSC. So maybe i mean they're gonna of course they're working with nasa right now to get this uh probably to figure out all the systems and what they could use to get as much data as possible from this thing it may be lost so latest news is that maybe they lost telemetry data for this um so the next one is the near infrared uh volatile spectrometer system um will measure surface and subsurface hydration on the moon if they don't make it to the moon they can't use this unfortunately um, yeah, so reflectors are used to precisely measure the distance to the moon. Uh, they fire telemetry laser from a telescope somewhere in Texas. Oh, that's a, that's a really interesting, I didn't know they were doing it from Texas. Um, it's one of the, one of the numerous places I've lived for a space flight here. Um, I'm moving actually back. I'm moving closer to NASA for this channel. So I couldn't do it without your help. Uh, I, we moved me, which is, which is funny. Uh, we all did it. We all moved me like all of your support, um, moved me to, uh, Starbase for about a year. So couldn't do it without you. And now I'm going down towards NASA. I, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anything yet because I'm, I'm moving there next week. So yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so it's pretty cool uh, with your help, of course. So any likes, if you if you want to do that, that's cool. Super stickers, super chats really help for the trip. Uh, Peregrine ion trap mass spectrometer. Um, characterize the lunar exosphere after descent and landing and throughout the lunar day to understand the release and movement of volatile species. Um, previous missions had demonstrated the presence of uh, volatiles at the lunar surface, but significant questions remain about the where those volatiles um came from and how they're transported across the lunar surface um maybe but it says uh characterize the lunar exosphere after descent and landing after descent and landing see it's all it all really is kind of when they get there everything is kind of when they get there somewhere in texas all right yeah and that's it that's all we have so far is I think we can do some. Uh, yeah, that, I think that's all we got. We got the, the laser array. We have the um, radiate. I think all we can do is radiation. I, I think that's all we can do. Um, do we need a GoFundMe or are you PayPal? Oh, I have a GoFundMe for that. Funny you should ask. <laughs> but he should ask Bob, <laughs> let me, uh, let me get those details. Um, so I think all they can do at this point is the, is the radiation. I think that's all they can study for real. Like, I don't know if they can really do anything else other than that. Maybe, I mean, with the, um, with the instrumentation they have on board, of course they're collecting data for telemetry data and things like that. But, um, 
I don't think they're doing anything. Other than their normal systems, if that makes sense. Yeah, other than normal systems. Um, so Starbase Studio 3, right there. So if you want to check that out, that'll help for the move. I just set that up. So I just set that up. I set, started setting it up like five days ago or five or six days ago or whatever. And I just didn't have information about timelines and stuff, but it happened really quick. I have an opportunity. So the other opportunity is, and I can't, um, you know, it's, uh, it's personal too. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's, it's a cool thing to happen. Okay. So I had a plan to move towards NASA, um, sometime in this year, in 2024, I had a plan. I was going to save a bunch of money, move towards NASA, any, you know, somewhere down there. Um, and somehow it sort of happened. Um, but, <laughs> and I, and I want to be honest with you because I've always been honest with everybody on the channel. And of course this is a news channel, but it's also, you know, we all, we all hang out together. We all do fun stuff together. This is our community, right? And we want to be part of each other's lives. So around the same time that I'm sort of like, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. You know, I've, I've lived in where I am now, the Northeast, uh, for a year and a little bit more, like a year and three months or something. Um, came back from Texas. I, I, um, what I did, I, I, did news at Starbase on the side of the road. I spent almost a year in the super hot <laughs> Starbase area um, filming on the side of the road, live streaming and stuff on the side of the road, Highway 4. And after that was done, I came back to the Northeast to be with my family. My dad is older and he needed some help. So I came back and helped him out a little bit. But also there were uh, there were always questions like, Hey, I want to move closer to NASA because like when Starship starts launching from there, when, from Kennedy space center, I want to be close. So it's probably not going to happen till 2027, but I wanted to set, like, I wanted to be there before it all started happening. Um, so I started making plans last year for it and I figured 2024 would be the year that I moved down there. And I get a place and, you know, I start setting roots down and about, uh, like a month ago, month and a half ago or something, um, somebody from my life from a long time ago, and we've been in, in contact since, you know, uh, since way back then, since I was a teenager, basically, um, this, this girl that I used to date, we started talking more. Right. And it was a weird thing because I'm like, Hey, this is crazy um, that we talk so much and we're not dating, you know? So I was like one night, it was like one o'clock in the morning. We we're on the phone for like four hours and I'm like, I'm, I'm like in my heart, I'm like, this is perfect. This is the perfect girl. Right. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to, if, if it seems right, I'm going to ask her basically like ask her out. She lives down South. I live in the Northeast. So we're far away. It's a 20 hour car ride down to her place and where she lives. So I'm like, could this work long distance? Uh, probably like we've always been like great together. Right. And this is the girl that I've absolutely loved my whole life. And at about like one third in the morning, uh, we were both like, you know, we we're both like just talking about whatever. And she goes, Hey, do you want to be my boyfriend? <laughs> and I was like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like what's going on? Because I was ready to ask her in like the next 20 minutes. I was like, this is going perfect. Like, I know there's something there. So I was ready to ask her and I was like, and we have this, you know, we have this relationship where we're, you know, we're good together or whatever. And I could be like, Hey, wait, are you effing with me right now? Like what's going on? And she's like, no, I'm not. And I was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So we, the last month and a half ish or last month ish, we figured out what we needed to figure out. And I have, uh, the opportunity to go down there and be with her. So 
I get to move down south early so I can cover NASA early, which I wasn't expecting to do. I was expecting six months from now, seven months from now, whatever, like September, I'd move down to Florida. But this all happened really quick. And I was like, chance of a lifetime. Perfect. Like the perfect girl for me. So I had to do this. I had to go for it. So I was like, this is how it works. And like, you never get this chance ever in your life. Um, so that's what that's all about. Debs, what the, thank you, Debs. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to help. Um, it's going to help the move, but it's also going to, uh, buy me a little Duncan here and there on the trip down. <laughs> so thanks Debs. I really, I really do appreciate you of course. And, uh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. So thank you. Uh, no wonder you have a, a grin going for dude. It's so cool. I'm so stoked. I'm so pumped. Like you have no idea. This is the girl of my dreams. So yeah, literally everything I ever wanted. So, and then it happened like out of nowhere. So I was like, all right, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah. So now I get to do it. Now I get to do it. And I get to cover NASA. Like what the hell is my life? Right? What the hell is my life? This is crazy. So yeah, as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, done deal. Let's go. Um, so yeah, I'm just like, I'm like a little kid, you know, I'm super happy. So, uh, it's been a while. But let's check back on the astrobotic. That's a little side tangent there, but it, yeah, I had to say it. I had to tell you guys because Bob Brink brought up the uh, brought up the GoFundMe. No update from Astrobotic, which is two hours ago um, at this point. So seems like there's nothing else that's happening with Astrobotic at this point. Um, and we're we're hoping that they get some sort of information out there. I'm going to check their website as well. Um, I think right now they're at update number four. Yeah, they're still at update number four, which happened a couple hours ago. Uh, this might take all day for them to give any sort of any more information to us about anything that's happening. Uh, so what I might do, I might take a little break here after spilling my guts to everybody. <laughs> Devs, I don't think I can give you 55 launches, by the way. Yeah, after spilling my guts and my heart to everybody. Um, I think I have to take a break for a little bit, um, just because, uh, I can't talk all day. It hurts my throat after a while. And, uh, since I'm a solo presenter basically, so I have to talk straight for like an hour. So, um, I'm going to take a quick break for myself to you know, like re, uh, rehydrate and grab a little snack. Uh, but I will leave you with some, uh, with some music that will pump you up by the way pump you up to uh, hopefully um, stay tuned for any sort of information. I'll check in every 10 minutes or so and let you know if there's anything new and if there's any telemetry data that we can get. Um, I'll be doing some more information. I'll do be more doing some more research as I, I jump off here for a minute. So uh, yeah, stay tuned and there will be uh, a couple more starships for you devs. But after that, uh, I got to cut you off. But dude, Debs, thank you so much. I know, I know, it's all good. So I gotta cut you off and then I gotta play some music for you, but we're gonna have some more information coming up soon. So stay tuned. This is a breaking story, a developing story. A NASA lander has gone uh, possibly 